17, that's James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Uh, and let me uh, read that for you. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Well, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Well, did you enjoy our Christmas carols last year? I tell you, I spent so much time planning and others spent a great deal of time planning. I'd organised a snow cone uh, van, I'd organised an uh, ice cream van, we were having jumping castles, face painting, balloon art. Uh, there was a barbecue trailer which I picked up on the Friday and I dropped off on the Monday. Uh, we had a music team that had practised, we had a welcome team, we had booklets ready to go, we'd advertised uh, all over uh, Facebook. I was getting messages from the community who were excited about it. I had my seven-minute gospel presentation all written. Uh, I looked at all the contingencies for wet weather and other unexpected events. I tell you, I had everything planned. As they say, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Well, I wasn't going to fail. So did you enjoy the carols event last year? Well, I know you didn't because it turned out that I didn't have everything in control and the Northern Beaches COVID outbreak happened the week before and the day before I had to call the carols off. Seems the New South Wales government didn't even have everything in control. So if COVID has taught us anything, well, I hope you've got the lesson that we don't have control over everything. Yet we continue to plan and we continue to sort out our lives as if we do. And this morning, James is addressing what authentic faith looks like in our planning. And he begins by saying, planning is not the problem. But the wrong presumptions of planning are the problem. Planning is not the problem, but wrong presumptions are the problem of planning. And he lists here two presumptions which cause problems with our planning. Have a look at verses 13 and 14 again. I'll read them for you. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. While you do not know, even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Well, he begins by addressing those who arrogantly go about making their plans as if they were in control of everything. And James begins with the first presumption. He makes two presumptions, uh, false, wrong presumptions. He says, we presume we know what tomorrow brings. See why he says you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, but you presume as if you do. See, he's not saying don't plan. He's saying don't be arrogant about planning. Don't say we will do this or that, but if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. 
Don't carry on as if you are the, have the master plan and you are the master who orders each day. See, I think we come across people like this or perhaps uh, you may be looking at a person like this uh, at the moment uh, who, who love to plan their, and order their days as if they had the master plan. See, uh, I think what happens is we drill our days down to small blocks. For those who aren't planners, I'll tell you what it looks like. Uh, you drill your day down to plan. If you go into my office, I've even got a little section on my whiteboard that goes every half hour of each day to try to keep myself productive. Uh, there's no flexibility in the schedules. Uh, and when someone or something potentially interrupts the plan, uh, it creates this impatience. You can tell a planner because they get impatient with other people when they get in the way of their plans. Now, before I was a pastor, I lived in spreadsheets. Now I holiday in spreadsheets. See, I love spreadsheets, but I've learned as a pastor that I have to have a lot of flexibility, so I holiday in them to give myself a break. See, uh, when I was in finance, I used to travel to the city every day. And I tell you, you know the people who feel that they have control over everything when they're waiting for a train that gets uh, on the platform and it's, you're told that it's going to be late. Well, I tell you, you soon know which ones think they're in control because they have start huffing and puffing under their breath. Uh, go over to the person working on the station and start complaining and, and saying, you realise I'm going to be late for a meeting? And they get louder and louder as if somehow that person either cares for a start or, uh, or can do something about it. Um, and this person always thinks that their day is somehow more important than the other 300 people on that platform who also have a disrupted day. See, I know this because I so easily become the huffer and puffer. See, I've got two kids, four and six, and I tell you, they don't care about my plans. And you soon know you're a planner who has control, who thinks he has control over everything when you're trying to get to an appointment and they think it's more fun to run around and chase each other and have fun. Come on, that's not part of my plan. See, COVID has been a real challenge for us who are planners and who presume to know what tomorrow brings. Our travel plans, our routines, our productivity, our control, it's all been taken out of our control. See, and the other thing that we've noticed is that perhaps there's other plans and other authority that are sitting over us. So you just hit Facebook, you look at the protests that are going on around the city, if decisions are being made by people who have authority over us, we cry, no, we are free. We are free of all this. We should be able to have uh, control over our life. We are captains of our own souls, as uh, I think it was Walt Whitman put it in his poem a few hundred years ago. See, the Enlightenment has tried to teach us that we have complete control. See, and the problem is we've grown up in an era which has told us it's all about us. It's all about our freedoms. You choose. Don't let anyone get in the way of your dreams, your plans. It's all about you. And what's happening is it's a microcosm of the macro that's happening here in the text. There is someone with greater authority over us who has a master plan who will trump our plans if it's 
for the good of those who love him, if it is for those uh, of the entire world. But no, we believe we control tomorrow and the first presumption is that we think we know what tomorrow brings. Well, the second presumption uh, that James brings out here is that we think our life is more important than it actually is. Uh, see, James says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. James give us, gives us here, and he says it elsewhere in the letter as well, he gives us a great reality check. He's saying, don't put all your hope in this life that you live. There is something greater than your experiences, than your achievements, than your degrees, than your travel, than your wealth. Don't get so tied up with your life as if the life that you live on this earth is the most important thing. Jesus puts it this way, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, James is saying, don't make your treasure in your heart this world and your life here and get so caught up in boasting about your own plans. There's something more important. You're just a mist. You're like an early morning fog. If you've ever seen a fog, the other week I was looking out, COVID-friendly, looking out over the valley, <clears throat> looking down upon the Emu Plains and Penrith, as I like to do, looking down, and there's this fog over them. Now, I didn't have to worry about the fog because I was up on the high horse, but I was looking over and there's this beautiful mist of this fog. Well, within an hour, it was gone. The sun comes up, it's gone. It's like in Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. That word meaningless means mist. It means something you cannot grasp. In the scheme of all of history, it's not so big as what we think it is. Do you know it's estimated there's been 105 billion people who, has li who have lived on the earth throughout history? Currently, there are over 8 billion people living on the earth. Every day, there are about 140 million babies born. You are one of 105 billion plans. And all of them fall within a master plan. Perhaps you're not as important as what you might think you are. See, we presume to know what tomorrow brings and we presume our life is more important than it is. But having highlighted our wrong presumptions, James now goes on to encourage us to have the right presumptions in our planning. Because right presumptions are the joy of planning. If you have the right presumptions, you can find your joy in your planning. And the first thing we need to presume is that God has a master plan. Have a look at verse 15 there. Verse 15, he says, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. See, so notice at the very base level, what James says here is, 
is you are a mist, but if it is the Lord's will, not just you will do this or that, but you will live. Notice the very base level here is your very life is what's determined on a daily basis by God. We don't like to talk about death because we're afraid of death. We fear death. And that is the natural inclination of man. We should fear death. Of course we fear death. What if this, what if this life is taken? What if we don't have it anymore? We approach COVID with fear because we fear death. But here, your life is in the control of a master planner, the one who created all things, James is saying. And if it's, your, if it's the Lord's will, at the very basic element, you will have another day. Now, on the surface, this sounds morbid. I get it. But it isn't. I want to put to you that this is what brings us the great joy in life and the great joy in our planning. Because we don't know. We're not going into some murky, unknown future. We are going into one that is completely at the mercy in the hands of a good, good father, of the merciful, compassionate God, who knows all things, who is all-powerful, who is ever-present, and has a plan that he's not just hoping will work out, but he can control and he has uh, everything under his power. That should bring us great confidence that whatever is happening in our life right now is within God's master plan. And so Paul in Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, not some things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to, not your purpose, but his purpose. See, every day is a gift of God. That's why the apostles can encourage us to rejoice even in our suffering. That's why Paul, he's in, he's in jail and he writes a letter to the Philippians. And what does he say? He says, rejoice, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Why? Because we are suffering with purpose. Because this all has a great purpose. Before I became a Christian, I remember I was so lost. I'd had a difficult childhood. I was, all, I was very lost. And I, 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 was, I, I fled to England because I was born in England. And I spent three months in England asking big questions of life. And the big question that I kept coming to was, what is the point? What is the point? For these very reasons, I have 105, I'm one of 105 billion people. My life is really meaningless. Who do I think of from the past? Well, I can't even remember many lives. I'm not going to be one of them. I have no special skills. I don't, no one cares whether I live or die. In the end, I'm a mist. And even those who care about me are a mist. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be finished anyway. And the question I kept coming to as a 21-year-old is, what is the point? Well, right here is the point. 
We have a God, a heavenly Father, who says not just you are one of 105 billion, he says you are Adrian, my son. You are my son, you are my daughter. He looks upon us with love. He looks upon us because he cares. He looks upon us, not as one of 105 billion, but as that one sheep that goes astray and he leaves the 99 to go and seek us out and find us and he sacrifices his own son on the cross for us. See, this is the point. You are a mist, but to God... And because God is God, you have great purpose. And your plans should be bigger than just the plans of this world. Psalm 33, 11, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know you've had some comfort from this in your life wherever you are. For I know the plans I have for you. Not, not 105 billion collective people, but you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now he may be talking to the Israelites as a whole here, but this is what he's saying to you. Not to tell you that you are more important than the next person, but you are just as important as every other person and the people he has called. See, the first, the first uh, thing we need to presume is that God has a master plan and that involves you and it is of salvation and it is of great hope. Well, the second thing that we need to presume when we plan is that his great plan for your life is to be renewed into his image. I'm sure I've mentioned it before. Actually, let's just read verse 16 first. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. See, verse 17 there, he talks about the sin that we shouldn't do. Or the good that we should do. See, when you narrow all this down about God's great purpose for your life, it's not to give you wealth. It's not to give you a status as other people look at you. It's not to give you a house or a family or any of those things. That's not his primary purpose for your life. It is to renew you as he created you to be in his image. See, whether you end up travelling the world, accumulating wealth, achieve great academic qualifications, build a family or don't build a family, hold positions of power or don't hold positions of power, none of this affects the most important purpose that God has for your life. And it's the answer of what is the point the point is to be renewed into the image of God. You are called to holiness and righteousness. Now in the context of what's happening here in James, we've been talking about wisdom. Wisdom is living in right accord with the reality that God has created around us. And that is to live in a righteous, holy way. 
to reflect him. Now, we can't do that uh, perfectly on this earth. That's why we had communion. That's why we ask forgiveness. But we have been secured that our hope of on that day, we will be fully made perfect again and we are being renewed on the inside out. See, whether you're leading an organisation or scrubbing their toilets, God's main plan doesn't change. Whether you live in the slums of India or whether you live in Silicon Valley over in America, God's plan for you is the same, to be renewed into his image, to be made right with him, to be made righteous, to have your sin forgiven, to be taken from death to life. And so that then he can work the work within you. And that transcends all culture, transcends all boundaries, transcends whether you are isolated at home or have complete freedoms to move around your country. Whether you're in retirement or you've just been born. This is the great point. And so when we make our plans, don't think it's about the house. That's not the primary purpose. Don't think it's about the car and the job and the education and all those things. That's not what God has called you for primarily. He may have those in his providence for your life, fine. And he may lead you into those, that's great. But don't miss the point that his great and primary plan for your life is your holiness and your righteousness And nothing can stop you apart from the sin that is within you. And that is what he has conquered with the death of his son and the giving of the Holy Spirit so that you are renewed from the inside out. Now, I was confronted uh, with my need to control everything and have all my plans fulfilled when I went on a short-term mission to India in 2008. It was my first mission trip overseas and uh, for those who don't know India, it's, it operates in a different cultural climate to Australia, I'm sure you're aware, but uh, let's just say it's a little more chaotic uh, in my head. Uh, things aren't as clear, you can have all sorts of uh, uh, flexibilities, let's say, in how you might build a house or how you drive on the road, as I found out when we got picked up at the airport in a 10-hour drive to a, a little uh, town called Chandrapur, uh, where we were staying in an orphanage so that we could teach the gospel uh, to people. Uh, but I remember getting in that car and thinking, I'm going to die. I have no control over here. I don't know what's happening. Why is he driving on the other side of the road and flashing his lights as if everyone cares? Well, there is a system there. I just didn't know what it was. But we turned up at Chandrapur and we went to this orphanage and we get to the middle of nowhere. There was only three of us. And we were there to preach the gospel and share the gospel. And, uh, and we turn up and we looked at each other and they showed us to the room and we looked at each other when we got in the room and they said, we'll see you in the morning. And we went, we've got no water. We'd been warned that there was no water uh, that was drinkable. Um, and that they would provide water for us. But here we were, and no one said anything. And so we went out and we said, Oh, uh, I wonder if you've got any water. Now, for those who haven't been to India, they have this wonderful expression. 
And, uh, and I, 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 I've come to love it. So I say this very positively. They just shake their head a little bit and they go, it's okay. You go, it's okay? No, 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 it's not okay. I need to know. I need to be in control. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, when I was trekking through Nepal, they do the same thing. We're up the side of a mountain. The guide goes, hey, look, I'm not sure where I am. And I'm freaking out. He goes, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. So we're in this, uh, we're in this uh, orphanage and, and, and we're going, we've got no water. We've been warned, don't drink the water. Don't eat anything that's been washed in the water. You'll spend two weeks with dysentery. Just don't touch the water. And we had a sleepless night. We didn't know what was going on. Uh, we, we got up the next morning and we're going, uh, we need water. It's okay. And we're like, what? Anyway, so they take us for a, a tour around the site. And we, we go up, uh, you know, tour around. And then they come to this building at the back. And it was the building they were the most proud of. And they said, this is, this is how we minister into the community. Uh, this is our outreach, our witness. But it's also how we financially support uh, the ministry here. And so they take us into this room. And it was like a little factory. And, and then they said, this is our water purification plant. That whole time. And they said, did you taste the water? And we said, we didn't want water. And they, they're like, oh, in your room under the blanket, there's bottles of this purified water. It was quite a remarkable moment because you, you're going, I'm judging all that's around me going, there is not going to be anything, anything in this situation in which is going to get me out of this. I don't know how I'm going to get water. But needless to say, I was standing and living for two weeks in the water purification plant. So when life doesn't go according to your plans, are you able to say, it's okay. My heavenly Father is in control. I may not see everything clearly that I'm in. I may not see what's under that blanket. I may not see what's in that uh, building out the back. I may not see everything that's going on, but I know that someone is in control here. And it's my heavenly Father, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-conquering, the one who uh, works all things for the good of those who love him, the one who knows the plans he has for me, plans to make me prosper, prosper in an eternal sense, to be made whole again, to be found peace and made at peace with him by being made right by forgiveness of my sin and to be, made renew to be renewed in the inside out. So the question James has for us is, how are you planning? And he says authentic planning plans properly. It plans with the right presumptions. It presumes that God has a master plan and it presumes his plan for your life is to renew you into the image of Christ because that is the greatest thing that anyone could have so that we could be renewed and reconciled to God. Father God, we come before you with this passage and we come before you with our plans in this COVID-ravaged uh, world. I know many of us had all these travel plans in our retirement. Many of us uh, had all these plans on how we were going to educate and raise our children. Uh, the sports they were going to learn, the, 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 
experiences that we were going to take them on. Father God, our plans have been completely turned upside down. And right now is the time for us, Lord, I know, to say, Lord, I recommit our plans within your master plan. And Father, my prayer for all of us is that we do that, that we bring our plans to you and we commit them to you, just as Hezekiah and Isaiah just laid all his prayer out before you and put it all into your hands. In your mercy, you granted him more years. We just ask, Lord, that you grant us opportunity to be renewed from the inside out. Help us to stay focused on what we can be uh, focused on, and that is your master plan for our life to be renewed. And so, Father God, as we journey together through uh, a time of uh, peril in planning, you could say, I pray that you'll help us uh, to keep these two presumptions in mind. We will presume and know that you have a master plan for our life and that you will be renewing us from the inside out. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.